Hey everyone, this is Sean Faulkner, one of the hosts of Software Huddle. So if you've been involved at all with the Snowflake world, the world of Snowflake, you know, today's guest probably doesn't need an introduction as he is the uh, demo king from the Snowflake Summit and well-known within the Snowflake builder community. I'm talking about Dash, Decide, Developer Advocate at Snowflake. The background on this episode is that I've been part of the Snowflake Data Superhero program and also involved in the community for a few years. And I've spoken at the last two Snowflake summits. And after the past event in June, I, I got this idea that it might make for a fun podcast to go back through some of the announcements from the events and discuss what they might mean for those building with Snowflake and maybe even get some of those people who aren't building with Snowflake excited about it. So even if you're not working with Snowflake, we, we keep things pretty high level during this interview. And I think there's probably something for everyone. Snowflake is clearly making this big push around supporting LLMs and generative AI workloads with things like Snowpark containers, document AI, and native support for NVIDIA Nemo and, and a bunch of other things that we get into today. There's been a ton of announcements even since the summit in this space with things that Snowflake is coming out with, and I'll probably cover some of that stuff down the road. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show. Please remember to subscribe it or hit me up over email or Twitter if you have questions or suggestions. All right, now let's get to the interview. Dash, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Sean. Really appreciate you having me today. Let's have you first uh, start off by introducing yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So hello, everyone. My name is Dash. I'm part of the DevRel team here at Snowflake. And last 15 or 20 years, uh, I've been, you know, spending a lot of time data engineering, software engineering, data science, machine learning. Um, and the reason why I'm here today uh, in this position or in this in this um, place, if you will, as as a DevRel or developer advocate, is because even when I was at, as an engineer, I really loved helping other developers, writing uh, technical content, creating demos, and things like that. So the transition itself was very easy, but also um, uh, in terms of like how passionate I was, it was uh, it was really um, beneficial to make the move and yeah awesome and then how big is the like developer relations organization at snowflake i'd say less than or around 10 people right now uh which come which uh which includes uh our community managers and um folks that you know manage user groups and things like that so definitely around or um, not more than 15, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so pr pretty small relative to the size of Snowflake as an entire you know company and organization. Absolutely, yeah. And it's amazing what the team uh, was able to accomplish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is sort of the, the breadth and scope of work that you know yourself and other people within DevRel are, are in charge of and managing? Uh, a lot of things that we do as advocates is create technical content not only for internal enablement, but also for the communities. And um, a lot of times it's also about getting the feedback from community members, getting it into the product lifecycle and things like that. So most of our time is spent on um, content, technical content, and trying to see like what everyone's kind of looking for and also what uh, issues people are running into, things like that, and how we can help uh, make our our product better from 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 that standpoint. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So uh, kind of sort of owning both the 
external engagement and also the feedback loops to the internal teams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're talking about the Snowflake Summit today and all the you know, big recent announcements that took place there. That was about a month ago at the time of this recording. So maybe, the, you know, first of all, how was the summit for you? It, was it everything you expected? This was your second summit or, or how many times have you been there? This was my second summit. Yes, it was uh, for me, it was amazing. A lot of the wishes came true. For example, last summit, you know, I uh, had the opportunity to, to create the demo for the keynote. And um, this year, my goal was to not only create the demos or help create the demos, but also present beyond the stage and um, th and that's what I got to do alongside a lot of amazing product managers uh, that that helped with the whole process and also the presentation part of it but yeah it, it was an amazing summit for for me personally and overall it was great because of all the announcements that uh, that we made during the summit. Yeah. So how was that experience, you know, being on stage, you know, just there's several thousand people watching you, plus all the thousands are going to be watching the video later, standing up there, having to do a live demo. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I, I actually loved it a lot. Every, everything, you know, luckily everything went uh, flawless, right? Nothing broke, uh, especially during the, the main keynote. Um, I was wearing our, our a ski jacket and ski goggles. And I was helping presenters um, do the live demos. Everything went amazing. So from that standpoint, it was awesome. Um, I I usually get nervous when when doing live demos, like most people do. But something you know happens when you are on stage, and everything just flows. It's it's really hard to describe. But I was I was really glad that everything went flawless. And then on the second day, we had. Um, we had other team members join us on stage. It was a, it was like a play, if you will, um, and we got to act uh, with with colleagues and peers. We had we had amazing script written by one of our awesome uh, PMMs, uh, Julian, and uh, kudos to him for coming up with this idea. and And he wrote the script, and we we all played parts. And along the ways, uh, you know, the story was told. And we did different live demos during the, the entire keynote. So that was amazing. Uh, we had a glitch in the middle of the Builder keynote. Uh, internet connection went down, obviously. And uh, the great thing about that was that we were able to engage with the audience. We, on the fly, we told jokes and people loved it. It was like that thing stole the show. Yeah, I think uh, I was there and uh, oh, I, nice. I, yeah, and I definitely think the the jokes landed really well. It's like, I think when you get in those situations where something goes wrong, one, I think everybody has empathy for you in that situation anyway. And then many of us have been in that, in that you know, uh, have had that happen to them. So it's not like, oh my God, how could these people like let this happen? But you handled it in such a fun, natural way. And it's the only way to sort of do it. And it comes across as, very authentic. So I think that that really engaged people. And do you remember any of the jokes that were told during the session? Absolutely. So D, uh, you want me to tell a couple? Yeah, go, go for one. Yeah. So uh, DBA walks into a bar and says, can I join these two tables? That's a classic one. Yeah. Uh, the one that I remember was, how come you can't see elephants hiding in trees? And the the answer being, because they're really good at it. 
uh, which, uh, which tickled me. I, as, yes, I, I love a good dad joke. Yeah. They're all dad jokes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So uh, this was also my second summit. Um, and, uh, I thought it was fantastic. I, one of the things that really stood out to me this time was besides of course, all the, uh, LM talk, but, uh, was the increased focus on sort of like builders and practitioners and, and those actually building on Snowflake, the size of the sort of the, the community area and the data hero stage and so forth was like, you know, three times the size of what it was the prior year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. We last summit we had, so in the builders theater, if you remember, uh, we had uh, sessions just like this summit, but then to present the slides and do the demos, we had one uh, small, uh, maybe 40 inch, you know, LCD that we had to present on and then it was right behind us. So half the people couldn't even see it. Um, there were no tables, there were no chargers for people to sit on and, you know, follow along workshops. All of that was, you know, hundred times better, uh, this summit, like the, the screen was huge. It was like the, the thing that you could see from anywhere, right? It was high up, huge screen. I don't even remember the size. And then we all had, um, well, the, the audience had a place to sit and plug in their laptops, follow along the workshops tables, chairs. Yeah, it was, it was at least 10 times better, if not, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. So I want to start to talk about some of the, you know, the big announcements and the features and what that might mean to people in the engineering community. So last year, one of the big announcements was about native apps and at the time of being in private beta. And the idea of native apps, as I understand it, is that instead of essentially bringing the data to the app, let's bring the app to the data. We have all this data. It's expensive to move around. Let's just run the app closer to the data. You know, it makes a ton of sense. Is that a fair description in your perspective of a native app? It is. And and just so that uh, people are a little bit more aware and have the context, you know, Snowflake native applications, as you said, uh, it was announced in public preview this summit. It basically provides developers a way to package applications so that, you know, anyone can actually consume those apps and um, Snowflake Marketplace is such a central place for Snowflake users to discover and install these applications and also allows vendors to run applications directly into consumers' accounts, right? So what does that entail? Basically, there's, there's better data security and governance because the data never leaves your Snowflake account, right? And no one outside the org can access it. And everything leverage is basically the same role-based role access control as the rest of your account or, you know, consumer's account. It also simplifies uh, procurement process in a lot of ways because vendors, uh, a lot of times on other platforms, they may need to go through a lot of review processes depending on how many apps they have. But in Snowflake Marketplace, they would have to do it probably just once for all the apps and not every single time. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, because you're, you're basically just doing uh, some sort of procurement process for the marketplace in general rather than a specific application. Yeah, and then the other big advantage for me, uh, from, from my point of view for developers is the, the flexible you know, pricing model. You can have custom billing models that, that you come up with on your own. Um, you can also set free trials if you like. And, and the consumers of the apps also have the opportunity to pay using their existing contract capacity. So lots of different options and, and, and yeah. Oh, that, that's cool. Like, uh, essentially if you have, 
uh, uh, like budget available on Snowflake, you can repurpose a budget into uh, purchase of apps. Right. And then as far as like building apps, you can use any ID of your choice. You can um, write code in Python, package all that up. And there's several ways you can package these apps. You can use the UI within Snowflake or Snowside. You can also use extensions that we have, for example, for Visual Studio. Uh, you, you can have um, your account uh, logged into and then push all the code right from your Visual Studio um, environment too. Oh, so if I want to build uh, a native app, you know, so I understand like, I, you know, I can use my IDE, I can write that code, say in, in Python, I can package it up and start distributing it. But like, what kind of like, how, how do I start? Like, what is, can you kind of walk me through what's basically the process of building like the equivalent of a hello world, hello world application for native apps? Yeah. So you start off by writing your own code, let's say Python code, hello world.py. What you can then do is upload this code onto a Snowflake stage. So stage is just a a way to to have your, um, you know, not only just data files and things like that, but also your code. So everything's inside your account. Once you upload it, you create an application package. So application package allows you to have different versions of the application, and you can also have different patches for each version, right? Once you do that, then it's all, it's a matter of how you want to distribute the application. So you, there's two different ways. You can distribute among, um, just generally uh, into Snowflake Marketplace. So anybody can see it, anybody can install it. And there's also a way for you to directly share it with only specific accounts. But does that help? So it's kind of like... And, and then how's it worked for like testing, essentially? You know, I, I'm assuming I have like a published version of my application, but then I'm going to have, you know, the, the version of the application that's in active development. Right. So you can, there's a ways you can uh, install the app and test it locally before you share. And then can I also choose to use apps just like uh, as a private application for my own company? Absolutely. Yeah. That's where the, the private share comes into picture. Then you can just share it with uh, the account on the same org or different org, uh, but it's uh, basically a direct share. So it wouldn't get listed in the marketplace. It would just be listed under the, the, the account that you've shared the app directly with. And then within a native application, can I, you know, call out to, uh, you know, third-party APIs as part of that? Uh, I believe so, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if I wanted to do something like, um, I don't know, uh, uh, language translation or something like that, then I could essentially use a third-party API to do the translation over the data that I have and still like to create, I don't know, go from the English to the French version or something like that. Yeah, and then uh, th that's a good point. Uh, the a lot of these things when you when you're releasing or trying to list the application into a marketplace for anybody to use, it actually also goes through uh, rigorous security scans before it gets listed. So as long as you comply, um, it will be it will be okay to to list it. Yeah. Yeah, but that makes sense. You don't want to be uh, installing the app that basically blows away all your you know, stuff like data. Right. Yeah. And then what about um, like essentially distribution? Like, is this something that I can connect into like a CICD pipeline? Like, how do I go about actually taking my local application that I've tested and, and taking it, you know, live and distributed on marketplace? Is that mostly using the tooling available in Snowflake today? Correct. 
Okay. And then what are some of the native applications that exist right now that uh, might be interesting to, for people to explore? Ooh, I, uh, I, at the top of my head, I'm not <laughs> sure which ones there are, but there are, there are a lot. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Capital Ones. I'd have to look it up. So, but if you go to the marketplace, there's, there's quite a few. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then one of the other big announcements that uh, I was excited about is around uh, Snowpark containers, which is you know bringing essentially Kubernetes to Snowflake. Just for you know people completely unfamiliar with this idea, like what problem does this solve for people that were using Snowpark before you know this support came into play? Absolutely. So Snowpark container services. I'm actually really excited about this too. Like I can't wait uh, to build all kinds of apps. Right. Just because. What what it allows you to do, or anybody, is um, user run a container, including a GPU-powered container, in Snowflake. And behind the scenes, it's running on the industry, you know, standard Kubernetes container orchestrator. But but the the good news there is that you don't have to learn Kubernetes to use it, right? It's it's uh, Kubernetes can be a heavy lift. It's pretty complex. Um, there's like certifications out there. I'm not certified. But, but the idea is that Snowflake takes care of all of this and it'll scale your container with your data, right? So it takes a lot of guessing and a lot of the admin stuff out of your or developer's hands. And with, with containers, you can basically create any application that you can think of. That's the beauty of it also. So how should I think about the difference between native apps and Snowpark containers when it comes to like building like what would I do with the Snowpark container that maybe I wouldn't do with native apps or vice versa? That's that's uh, actually a great question because uh, I don't know if you recall during Summit, there was a application that I, I demoed uh, with uh, Reka uh, image. Uh, it was, it, we were trying to ask questions off of an image and then it was giving a response based on, you know, what you thought. Um, what, if there was a damage with ski goggles, what kind of model number? So that application was actually packaged, even though it packaged as a native app in a container. So container is like the umbrella and you can, you can basically containerize anything, including native apps. So I don't know if that answers the question, but uh, I just feel like, yeah, container services is amazing and you can build native apps in a container if you choose to, but also you don't have to. Okay. I've also used uh, in my own, you know, work with Snowflake, I've used Snowpipe a bunch for batch loading of data into Snowflake. And it's something that's been around for a while, but this year Snowpipe streaming was announced. So what problem is this addressing that essentially the batch mode for Snowpipe wasn't able to solve? So the biggest difference between Snowpipe and um, Snowpipe streaming is Snowpipe was designed to ingest files, and Snowpipe streaming is designed to ingest uh, records in an incremental fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that could be from something like a Kafka stream. Yes. Or even uh, some other uh, like sort of bespoke uh, solution for you know log files or something like that. Yeah, so Snowpipe streaming right now allows uh, you to load data in Snowflake directly from either Apache Kafka or a custom Java application. Okay, so essentially it provides like an SDK that I can use as 
like a, a way to abstract my uh, my streaming process directly into uh, Snowflake. Yes, yeah, and then very effective way to load data, and then um, the other like like I mentioned, other strategies are using Snowpipe for files or copying to also uh, for self managed warehouses, where they both involve loading a file from a stage into Snowflake versus ingesting data almost in real time using Kafka or a Java application. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it seems like there's been like uh, a lot of work in this space, in particular with, with Snowflake around, I guess, like making things sort of more like real time or dyna dynamic, less batch mode. And, uh, you know, related to that is this concept of uh, dynamic tables, which I think was now last year's private beta and is now in public beta. So what can you talk a little bit about like the, the problem that dynamic tables solve? Like what, what is it that data engineers are getting out of the value of dynamic tables? Right, so dynamic tables allow you to create uh, data pipelines using uh, just the SQL that you use on a daily basis, right? You can use joins, unions, aggregations, window functions, and what have you. And another cool thing about that is uh, the latency is user-defined. So you can control that by just a single parameter. And the data refreshes as low as a minute as of today. And then hopefully that will also change in the future. but the 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 biggest difference between, for example, the automatic incremental refreshes refresh only what's changed, even for really really complex queries automatically, including updates and deletes. And then all dynamic tables in in a DAC, for example, are refreshed consistently um, from from the aligned snapshots that there might be. So yeah, if I understand this correctly, I can essentially create like a query that is the is going to generate the the input to the dynamic table and then i can whenever the like underlying tables uh, that are used by the query get updated they'll update the data in the dynamic table is that right right yeah what is the difference between this and say like like a view right so let's see uh materialized views the materialized views get very expensive if the upstream table is being frequently updated. But with dynamic tables, Snowflake will update them based on the latency that you as a user define, which gives you more control over how, you of how often these tables are updated and then how the associated compute costs are. I see. So if I'm doing a bunch of analytics, but maybe it's not that time sensitive i could choose to have the dynamic table like update like once a week or something like that rather than every minute and that'll right. save me some money yeah and then the other big difference is uh dynamic tables are also like a first class ui citizen of uh, snowflake so you can easily visualize the the entire dag their dependencies and you can also see all the historical runs including the status how many rows were changed updated and things like that Okay. All right. So let's talk AI and LLMs, but maybe before we get into some of the announcements that were made at the summit, what are your thoughts on how generative AI might impact the Snowflake builder community? Well, I think just generally speaking, it's going to be um, for developers, it's the sky is going to be the limit because especially with the container, uh, Snowpark container services, you're going to be able to bring in the models into your own environment so you don't have to send the data out um, for, for training these LLMs and bringing, the, you know, bringing whatever back, right? So the data 
is going to be within your existing data uh, governance and security boundaries. And I think that's going to be the biggest uh, game changer. And then I guess, I think too, from like an application standpoint, you know, some of the things I've seen where people are, are leveraging LOMs to be where you can essentially, you know, just speak in or write in English, essentially, or whatever language of your choice, uh, what you need from the data and then behind the scenes is able to translate that into queries. It kind of democratizes access to data in some to some degree, like essentially things that, you know, a business person within a company might have had to go to the analyst in their company beforehand and have that analyst run or like write a custom query to pull some data. Now the business person might actually be able to do that directly through some sort of LLM type interface directly into uh, uh, the data. Yes, absolutely. So in some ways it's like, uh, I would imagine the, it like lowers the barrier of entry for analysts, but then the actual analysts can spend more time on sort of more complex uh, like, like use cases and not have to deal with you know one-off requests from people within their their company asking them to write a you know bespoke SQL query to, to pull data for them. Right, and then also focus on the insights and what else can they you know gather out of the the data based on insights that they were given just based on some comment that they wrote, right? Not the actual SQL. Yeah, so it's more about like doing the analytics or the analysis part of the job rather than pulling the data. So the big announcement the first night uh, the summit was that NVIDIA Nemo would be running natively on Snowflake. What does this mean for people and companies investing in LLM applications when it comes to Snowflake? Right, so NVIDIA, the, we, at Summit, we announced a partnership and which will enable Snowflake to integrate um, NVIDIA's LLM framework on Nemo into Snowflake. So that's going to allow ML engineers and data scientists to build LLMs directly in Snowflake using their own data. I, I think that's huge, right? Uh, we already demoed, like you said, uh, during Keynote, how you can not only uh, bring LLMs, but also natively train uh, models on NVIDIA GPUs, right? Mm-hmm. And then what about LLMs that are outside of the Nemo framework? Is there as, like an opportunity to be able to run those within Snowflake, or is that something that maybe is not there today? So as part of Snowpark Container Services, you will be able to bring in uh, any model into Snowflake, not just um, not just in Nemo or, or others. Uh, there's, there's actually already a, a blog that we published um, maybe a couple of weeks ago where we've taken uh, Llama 2, the latest Meta's LLM, uh, and uh, use that within Snowpark Container Services. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about, what are some of the other LLM-related announcements from uh, Snowflake that people should know about? Yeah, so there's, uh, we announced uh, Document AI, which uh, Snowflake acquired a company called Applica, uh, which specializes in auto-analyzing unstructured data. And um, what with that, what you could do is leverage the technology to uh, it's actually also Snowflake's first LLM that enables you to ask questions about PDF documents. Like, for example, during the summit when we demoed, we had 15 plus PDF documents, then we were asking questions. Not only that, there's also a way for users to give feedback, like make corrections to improve the model accuracy, 
and then retrain the model, which you can then republish or deploy. And another cool thing is these models, uh, you can use them in SQL queries, right? So, so it's, it's not only spanning across different um, technologies within Snowflake, but also across teams where they can collaborate based on, uh, based on their requirements. And then how do I go about using that? Is that something that I use like uh, via like an API so I can integrate it into an existing application? So that actually is going to be part of Snowflake uh, UI with Snowsite. That's going to be a new option like we demoed during, during Keynote. The, the name could change, so I can't speak to that. But basically, it's going to be embedded within, within the UI. And all you have to do is basically follow instructions to upload documents. Um, and then there's a UI for you to ask questions. You get a score along with the answer. If you're not satisfied, you can change the, the answer and also hit train uh, to retrain the model. And then once the model is trained, you can use that um, in, in, in a SQL worksheet, for example, the SQL queries. Okay. Yeah. And it, it also seems like, um, so it sounds like, like a lot of the major sort of like products across Snowflake from, you know, Snowpipe to Snowpark to, you know, native apps um, are kind of incorporating features that allow you to either build with generative AI or essentially leverage generative AI functionality directly within those tools to make Snowflake easier to use. And I, you know, one other one that I, I personally played around with is with uh, Streamlit. Like Streamlit now supports um, a, an easy way to build like a chat GPT-like UI directly within it. Uh, so there's this uh, like heavy investment in, the, in this direction. And I guess, what do, what do you sort of see as the the future in this space like where do you think some of the stuff is leading for people who are you know use snowflake and are looking to to build on it in the future i think um the way i look at it is one platform for everything right you can bring everything in and closer to your data so i think the key to me as 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 a if i was a developer you know not having to um, not only incur costs for moving the data around, but also around how many technologies, how many, you know, different things I would have to have in my tech stack to move data around, to process the data versus having everything within the same governance and security boundaries. And everything else that I need, I can actually bring in without any issues, right? That's, that's, that to me is huge in terms of like how I can build, how I can package, how I can distribute yeah, you're you're basically simplifying your tool chain if you're comfortable kind of living within the Snowflake ecosystem, both from uh, you know your traditional data pipeline, data analytics standpoint, and also now in the world of generative AI. Because if you look at some of the the tool chains that are out there, like in now in the AI space, like there's a lot of tooling that you have to kind of learn to uh, like stitch together essentially just to do something like uh, you know customize a pre-trained model. Right. And, and another good example is uh, Streamlit, like, like you mentioned earlier. You can create these amazing applications without having to know HTML, CSS, and th things like that. Not only that, the Streamlit in Snowflake, it's, it's an object, first-class citizen, first-class object in Snowflake, just like a table is. So that means you can apply role-based access on these applications. You can share them just like you would table and databases and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, I'm someone who's uh, been using, you know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript for a very long time, so I'm very comfortable with it. But even despite that, I found, uh, you know, working with Streamlit quite lovely, I guess is the best yeah. way to describe it. Like, it was very, very easy to go from essentially nothing to I had a little, like, LLM chat GPT type UI interface going in like an hour. Yeah, and then how many lines of code, right? Maybe less than 100, probably. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was like less than 100 lines of code, which is... Yeah, I used to write HTML, CSS, and JavaScript too. And just thinking back how many JavaScript libraries you had to pull in, make sure like they load, you know, they, they're not taking too much time to load. So you have to put them at the bottom instead of the top, um, minify them, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it becomes a, a entire ordeal just to to do something simple. Yeah, and they need a web server to 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 run those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So as we start to wrap up, uh, Dash, is there anything else you'd like to share? Uh, you know, thoughts on the summit, thoughts on anything you know related to AI and some of the moves that Snowflake's making. Uh, no, so the uh, couple of things that uh, I uh, like to mention around you know the same along the same lines. Uh, we demoed, it's not an official name by any means, uh, comment to text or comments to SQL, to be more specific, where you'll be able to just write out a comment and then have a really, really complex SQL generated for you. Um, and then the comment is basically paying English, right? So that was the other, other cool thing that I kind of wanted to mention. And everything running in Snowflake using your data that the model learns from. Yeah, so the comments, the code, that's kind of like you're being able to translate like pseudocode or even, even you know, less formal than pseudocode uh, into uh, like a complex SQL query. Again, kind of lowering the barrier to entry. Yeah, including creating dynamic tables with multiple joins and aggregations and what have you. Mm -hmm. All right, well, Dash, thank you so much for being here. I was uh, great, you know, uh, witnessing all your live demos at Snowflake Summit, and it was really fun to be there. For anybody who's listening that is interested in sort of the data space, Snowflake space, I highly recommend the conference. I think it's really, really well done. And there's a lot of people there. You'll feel like you're in good company. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's most likely I'll be there so you can come say hi. Yeah, thank you so much, John. Really appreciate you having me. Really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Cheers. Yeah, thanks.